Well, I want to welcome everybody here. Uh, how many of you all enjoyed just going to the throne of God with us in worship? Was that, wasn't that just amazing? Yes, I love it. Um, today is a very, very special day. Before I start getting into everything, today is the one-year anniversary of our decision to reopen. Um, we, we, after 11 weeks of shutting down, we, we uh, decided to reopen. We reopened full. And so today marks one year of God's faithfulness to us. Uh, and, and, his, and his leadership of us. A amen. And so uh, 11 weeks was way too long to be away from you guys, and uh, I never want to do it again because uh, I, I, I love you too much. Um, today, well, for those of you that are, that are visiting, my name is Dave, one of the pastors here, and uh, those that, that are joining us online, I want to thank you for joining us. We are in a series called The Seven Deadly Sins, and today we're talking about gluttony. And so, gluttony is probably the most difficult thing any pastor could ever preach on, because I have no right to be up here preaching this. I need to be sitting there having someone preaching this to me, because my soul, like everyone's in here, desires excess, and that's what gluttony is. Everybody thinks it's all about food. It is not. Gluttony is a spiritual condition where your soul desires excess. That's all it is. The main thing today is gluttony. It's a soul's desire for excess. All of the seven deadly sins, all sin in general, is a corruption of something that God made and said was good. For example, lust is a corruption of the, the gift of sex that God has given to us. Um, sloth that we did two weeks ago is the, is the corruption of the command that God has to us to rest. <clears throat> Do not wear ourselves out, but sloth, is that carried too far? Greed is the corruption of the fact that you have to take care of yourself and the corruption of only thinking about yourself. Uh, last week, wrath, we have a sense of justice within us. God has put that within us, but wrath is a corruption of that where you feel the need to help God out. Uh, and today, uh, well, in, in envy, which is next week, is, is a, a corruption of, of good things in this world, and you desire them unhealthily. And the, the pride is a corruption of the self-confidence that God gives us, that he wants you to be self-confident. He, he doesn't want you to be a doormat, but pride is a corruption of that. And today, gluttony is a corruption of the fact that God, that, that we need things, but gluttony is the soul desire for excess of those things. So you guys, we were designed to find our full satisfaction in God. That's where our satisfaction is supposed to come from, to be content in God, to find all satisfaction, joy, uh, et cetera, fulfillment in our relationship with God. But because we don't, because you and I in our sinfulness have rejected God and rejected our relationship with him, we have developed this psychotic desire for things, for more than we need. And that's the result, gluttony is the result of not being fully satisfied in God. I want you to hear that. That's what it is. Because we do not find our fulfillment and contentment in God, we have this inane, this psychotic attachment to more than we need. Gluttony is tricky because there's a fine line between necessity and excess. Okay, so what is necessary and what is excessive? We have to know that. Well, compounding this problem is the fact that our very biology is working against us here. Okay? Check this out. Number one, this is what we have to understand about ourselves. We're going to conquer gluttony. Is that this number one is that we were designed for a scarcity environment, but we live in an abundance environment. Okay, remember that when God created humanity, there was no Kroger. 
There was no Walmart. There was no McDonald's, no Chick-fil-A. There was nothing, okay? So the way that our bodies were designed by our master creator was for a society, an environment that went boom and bust, that was feast or famine. And that's the way our bodies were designed. And the, the reason that humanity is still here, you guys, is because of that. It's not necessarily anything wrong. Okay, so let's, let's, let's take the first human, Adam. Adam gets his two boys, Cain and Abel, teaching them how to hunt. And they go out and they're going to go get a deer. They, 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 they've got their, deer, their hunting licenses, all right? And they go out. Fortunately, there's no private property back then. They didn't have to ask permission. And they go out there, and like any hunter knows, the deer do not cooperate. They do not show up. And so Adam and Cain and Abel didn't eat that day. Well, that's fine because their bodies were designed for a scarcity environment. They had stores. They had fat stores to sustain them through the day. The next day, they go out hunting. Nothing. Well, that's okay because their bodies were designed for a scarcity environment. The next day, a huge 32-pointer walks by. Yeah. This is the Garden of Eden, y'all, okay? That's the way it is. And they, I don't know how they did, maybe spears or, or they were just really fast and chased them down. But anyway, they got them. Well, they've got a problem. They've got, they, they, they cut open the deer and they, they clean it and they, they, they package it up and everything. And all of a sudden, they, they got a problem. They've got 90, 100 pounds of meat and no freezer. What do you do? Well, you have to eat it all. Because our bodies were designed for boom and bust, for feast and famine. And so he calls all his neighbors and they have a big feast and they eat it all because they know that the next deer may be coming along. It may be two weeks before they eat again. There was no food security. So our biology tells us that whenever there is something there, take it because it might not be there tomorrow. Okay? That is what is going on in our hearts. That is the way God designed us. That is the way God, human survival was contingent on that. And yet, we don't live in that kind of society anymore, but our bodies don't know it. Our bodies still say, when you are at Fazoli's, you need more breadsticks because they may not be there tomorrow. Okay? Their bodies still say, when you're shopping, hey, we need more clothes because they may not be there tomorrow. And your, and your biology does not understand that you have a closet full at home. Your body doesn't understand that you're already overweight. Your body doesn't understand. It just sees something and says, take it because it might not be there tomorrow. And that is what is going on in our minds. We are living in an abundance environment like we're living in a scarcity environment. That is what's going on. And we have to understand that that is what is going on in our, in our minds. We're designed for the feast-famine cycle. And there's something driving you. Your own biology is driving you to take more than you need. You have to understand that's going on inside you. We weren't designed by God for an abundant society. Well, that's why. So we have to throttle back our biology the way that God created us for to, to, to live because it's insistence that we're living in a scarcity environment is literally killing us, y'all. It's killing us. Our own biology is killing us. I want to look at some costs of our desire for excess on society, the first thing is this. Here are the results of a scarcity mentality in an abundance environment, cost of taking more than we need. I'm a Dave Ramsey financial uh, uh, coach, certified financial coach. I coach couples and individuals on finances, and this is some of the things that they have told us in our training. The average American household income is $59,039. Total consumer debt, if you added up all the debt, in America is $12.73 trillion. That's how much we owe. 
The average American owes, if you have a mortgage, you owe, the average person owes $180,018 on their mortgage. If you have student loans, the, uh, the average person owes $50,868 in student loans. If you have an auto loan, if you have a, a car payment, the average person owes $29,058 on their cars. If you have credit card debt, the average person owes $16,425. That's the financial cost. See, Proverbs 21.20 tells us this. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. The wise say, no, this will be here tomorrow. But a fool says, no, I have to take it now, and gulps it all down. And it's destroying us, you guys. That's the cost to taking more than we need. Let's take a look at another one, the most sensitive one, the cost of obesity. Look at this, the cost of taking more than we need, of eating more than we need. The medical cost of obesity ranged from $147 billion a year to $210 billion per year. That's just the medical cost. It doesn't take into account the cost of the extra food, the extra soft drinks, the extra, entire new set of clothes you have to buy every six months because you outgrow your previous size. The last, in the, just the last 16 months of the pandemic has shown us the true huge cost of gluttony on our health because... And the number one determiner severity of COVID, if you got COVID-19, number one determiner of that was obesity. An Israeli study showed that COVID-19 actually lived in our adipose tissue, which is fat cells. So the more you had, the more a viral load you would have. That's why uh, there's a direct correlation between that. Proverbs 23, 1 through 2 says this. I love this. It says, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is put before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Now, that is figuratively. Don't do that. Okay, don't cut your throat. But, but this, this, is, this is what the scriptures tells us. Let's take a look at another excess. Let's look at the cost of drunkenness on society. The cost of excessive alcohol use in America is around $249 billion, but the CDC estimates that's low because a lot of injuries and everything are not reported. Okay? Last decade, something's popped up that bothers me. It's always bothered me. It's on social media. It's a celebration of what we call, what, what, not what we call, what is called mommy drinking culture. Mommy drinking culture. The celebration of gluttony when it comes to alcohol among our females. It's unbelievable. Um, the, uh, the, there was a, pic, a picture I saw of shot glasses saying parenthood, you know, uh, basically one drink at a time. And it was a celebration, it was a joke. Of, of moms needing alcohol to make it through the day. It's a celebration of gluttony. Proverbs 23, 29, and 30 says this, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. The cost to us, you guys, of taking more than we need, our souls, of giving in to our soul's desire for excess, is literally killing us, you guys. And it's never preached about, it's never talked about, because to do so in a self-indulgent culture like America is absolute heresy. And we're talking about it today because it's destroying our finances, it's destroying our health, but most of all, it's in direct competition with God for what, we'll find, what we will find ultimate satisfaction in. See, number three, check this out, gluttony is in direct competition with God for what you will find satisfaction in. All right, Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus is talking to everybody. Amazing that even back then, they were worried about food. They were worried about who, uh, possessions. They were worried about who will take care of them. And Jesus says this. 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Pagans mean people that don't know God. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, what, what Jesus is telling us there is that we were not meant to find satisfaction in clothes, in food, in money, in houses, in cars, and all the things that this world shouts to us that are so important. We were never meant to find satisfaction in those things. And history is rife with people that have chased after those things and found it utterly empty. But our culture tells us to do that. And they say that the more you have, the more gluttonous you are, the more satisfied you will be. And so we're chasing our tail, looking for satisfaction in something other than God, and coming up empty and going for more, coming up empty, going for more, coming for empty. And that is the story of so many lives today, you guys. We weren't meant to find relief of stress in comfort food or in alcohol, sugary drinks, ice cream, candy. We're supposed to take our stresses to God and allow him to be the satisfaction of that. We weren't meant to rely on alcohol and pills to deal with life, to deal with the pressures of life. We were never designed to do that. We were designed to find our satisfaction, our purpose in God, and allow his strength to get us through the day. We weren't designed to need a substance as a crutch to get us through life. We were never designed that way. We weren't designed for any of that. We were designed to need God and God alone to, be, to find our satisfaction and our contentment in him and him alone. And gluttony is the direct competitor for that in our hearts. Guys, a soul that is satisfied in God will not feel the need for more. So I want to ask you today, are you content Contentment is this. This is what godly contentment is. I want you to kind of do an inventory today. If God did nothing for you other than save you from a, a, an eternity in hell, forgive your sins, set you free from the, from the consequences and the power of sin in your life, if God did nothing other, for, uh, other than that, he never gave you the person that you wanted to marry, he never gave you the raise you think you deserve, the promotion you think you deserve. He never gave you the house that everybody else is having. He never gave you anything except deliver you from your sin and the consequences of your sin and ensured you a place in heaven for eternity. Could you complain? Would that be good enough for you? See, that's what godly contentment is. And until we reach that point, we will always desire excess Gluttony is a soul's desire for excess because that soul has not found satisfaction in God yet. Like St. Augustine said 1,800 years ago, said this, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our souls are restless until we find ourselves, or find rest in you. God provides with an alternative vision to our soul's desire for excess. All that cost, all that stuff, God provides us an alternative vision. And this is what it is. It's a beautiful word. It's an amazing thing. It's called simplicity. Oh, how wonderful the word simplicity is. When I was an athlete playing soccer, the, the whole thing was kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't get so complex. Keep it simple. I love that. The Bible verse is, this Bible verse is never talked about in America. I think this is like abhorrent to us in America. And so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to share it. Because 
This, this is amazing. This is like the most anti-American, most anti-indulgent verse I've ever seen. It is like so crazy that to, to, to the ears of Americans that we think it was psychotic. But check this out. This is a king in the book of Proverbs. He says this. Two things I ask of you, Lord. This is prayer. Do not refuse me before I die. Number one, keep falsehood and lies far from me and give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you or and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Here's a guy not praying for riches or wealth. He's not praying for anything other than what he needs because he knows the dangers of both. And look at the boat. Look at what he says. Prayer simplicity. Give me only what I need. Well, because when we have too much, we begin to love the things that God gives us rather than God himself. That's the biggest trap of, of God's blessings is that he knows the second he blesses us with anything, we're going to desire the blessings more than the one who gave it. That's just human nature. Because when we have too much, we begin to love those things rather than God and we forget about him. I've been in ministry almost 22 years now. And without a doubt, you know who the hardest person, who the hardest group of people to reach with the gospel is? Do you know who it is? You'd think it was the addict or the, or the inmate, the incarcerate. No, 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 not, not at all. Faith lives in that jail more than a lot of churches, you guys. Believe me. You know who the most difficult group of people to reach? It's the children of affluent parents. They are the, by far the most difficult people to reach with the gospel. Why is that? Easy. Because they have everything. They have everything that they need. They have everything they want. They have more than they want. So why would they need Jesus? Hands down, it's like this past said, I may have too much to disown you, say, who is the Lord? It, re, trying to reach the children of affluent parents is an absolute nightmare, and it's extremely difficult to do, and I've had very little success doing it, I, I'm ashamed to say. Like I said, the children of affluent parents have the highest probability to find their satisfaction in something other than God. They have everything thrown at them, and affluence has dulled their senses, their sensitivity for heaven. So here's a prayer against prosperity because the person wisely knows that his biggest competitors for God are the blessing that God gives. And this, this, this person in Proverbs, this king, is saying this, Lord, I'd rather have you. I'd rather have you. You are what I want. And if I have to get rid of all of this in order to have you, then get rid of it because I don't even want it, Lord. My, I, I treasure you. I want you more than any of this stuff. And if you send me stuff that's going to compete with my heart, I don't want it. How utterly un-American. Wow. And yet that's exactly what the Bible tells us. And he says this. And then he prays, Lord, keep me out of poverty. Keep me out of poverty. Why? Because I'll be destitute and poor and I won't have everything. No, 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 that's not what he says. He says this, because I know that in my desperation, I may steal and I may dishonor you, God, and I don't want that either. I don't care about living in poverty. I don't care about living in destitute. I just don't want to do anything that will dishonor you, God. So that's why he embraces simplicity. Lord, give me what I need and only what I need. So, that I, so I can honor you with everything that I am. How many of you all will dare pray that prayer this week? Lord, take some stuff away because it's competing for my heart and I don't want anything 
between you and me. And if that means I got to get rid of stuff, if that means that I don't get the raise, if that means that I, you don't bless me with abundance, praise God because I've got you and you're all I want. How many of y'all will dare pray that prayer this week? If you do, don't be surprised when he answers it. He will because he loves you and doesn't want anything between you and him. All right. If you've, it, 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 I would imagine the average person brought up in this Disneyland called America looks at that prayer and says, "That's psychotic. That's crazy." Well, it is if you've been, if the, if you have adopted the materialism and the gluttony that is so prevalent in our society. With those whose hearts are set on God, it makes perfect sense. This prayer makes perfect sense. You're like, "Well, yeah." All right. Author Richard Foster observed the following. The majority of Christians have never seriously wrestled with the problem of simplicity, conveniently ignoring Jesus' many words on the subject. The reason is simple. This discipline directly challenges our vested interests in an affluent society. Simplicity is not a renouncing of all worldly and material things, you guys. It's not. Okay? To go live like a monk somewhere. Simplicity is putting things in their right place. Keeping your possessions, keeping your food, keeping everything in its right place. Not taking any more than you need. That's all it is. This right here is not gluttony. That's not. As long as I keep it in its right place. Not taking more than I need. So many of us would admit that we are out of balance in this area. Our homes are filled with things we don't need. Our lives are filled with things we don't need. Our, 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 our cars are filled with things we don't need. Closets are filled with things that we don't need that we don't use, our addicts, oh my goodness, let me start talking about addicts, are filled with things we don't need. It's getting, gaining control of the soul's psychotic desire for excess, for more than we need. And so this is how, I get three things here that I want us to engage in to defeat the power of gluttony, to get rid of the psychotic scarcity mentality in an abundance environment that we're, that we're living in that's killing us. First thing is this, number one, Catholic Christian Church and those joining us online, discern between a want and a need. That's what we have to do. We have to discern between a want and a need. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. If you lack self-control in your life, if you see it and go get it, you see it, go do it, you see it, you eat it, you are like a person, who, a city whose walls have been broken through. How many Lords of the Rings fans we got here? Got Lord of the Rings fans? Yep. All right, Helm's Deep. Best, best battle uh, in, in the second one, the two towers. It, the, 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 the humans are doing well because the uruk are down there. There are a lot of them. They're behind the wall at Helm's Deep. Then what happens? They blow a hole in the wall, and all of a sudden, uruk the evil, can come in. And all of a sudden, there's a big battle going on. That's what the Bible is saying about you and I when we don't have self-control. Evil, whatever, can come right in. Our, our, our walls have been broken down. Many people can't tell the difference between a want and a need. We got a bunch of Princess Vespas in this, in this country. For those of you that are Mel Brooks fans, Princess Vespa is the princess in Spaceballs, the classic. And one of, one of the funniest scenes, I think, in that movie is when they've crash-landed on on, in the desert and, and the, the Princess Vespa is told to take only what you need to survive and, and Lone Star and Barf, played by John Candy, excellent, are lugging this thing, and it's heavy, and they, they drop it, and they say, what's in this? And they open up, and what do they pull out? The industrial strength hair dryer. It's like this big. And Lone Star looks at her and said, what's this? 
I told you to take only what you need to survive. And Princess Vespa says this, it's my industrial strength hair dryer and I can't live without it. Hmm. Don't be a Princess Vespa. A want is something that if not obtained doesn't affect your life much. A need is something that if not attained your life is affected significantly. That's how you discern between a want and a need. See, that scene in Spaceballs illustrates a few things. First, it illustrates that, that uh, people living in affluence, it's difficult to, to discern between a want and a need. But the second thing is how heavy those burdens really are. Carrying our wants, how heavy they are on our lives, on our shoulders, on our, on our satisfaction. This, this psychotic attachment to more is burdening us and causing us trouble. They slow us down, making life so much more difficult. See, the, the American uh, mindset, the, 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 all that, that snapshot of all the debt that we carry. Here's a question. I don't mean to, I don't mean to be any certain way, but if the average person has $16,000 worth of credit card debt, are those things, are the, are, is that credit card debt because of food, paying bills, essentials? If so, good. I'm glad you're spending, I mean, you need the essentials. But I would, if I was a betting man, I would wager that that credit card debt is not spent on things you need. They're more spent on wants. And you've gone into debt to get your wants. And your wants are killing you because you can't decide but discern between a need and a want. Okay? Gluttony doesn't discern between the want and a need. It just wants more. Okay? Psalm 23 starts out by saying this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I was a kid, I thought that that meant I didn't want the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, that's not a good prayer. But what that means when in the non-King James English is this, because the Lord watches over me, I'm fully satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd, I don't live in want. I don't live unsatisfied. Okay? All my needs are met, I'm content, I'm satisfied. So we need to learn how to discern between a want and a need. That alone will allow us to defeat the power of gluttony. Second thing is this, and this is something that I, I, I love to say. Number two, food is fuel, not a drug. I'm gonna, this is, this is sensitive because I need to hear this myself too. I'm, only, I'm preaching to myself. But so many of us don't use food as it's supposed to be. Uh, food is supposed to fuel you, give you, give, uh, give you energy for the day. That's what it's supposed to be. But most of us don't do that. Most of us use food the way an addict uses heroin or coke. We use it to make us feel better. We use it to make, it, uh, to, to make life better, to make us feel. When we're depressed, we eat. We use it to uh, not, not as fuel. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, that's, that verse right there is said about sexual immorality. But that verse has also been used to, decide, to describe the fact that God lives within you and we're supposed to care for this. I've shared this before. When I was at Asbury Seminary, the only Christian school I've ever gone to, it was a new experience for me. I'd never been, I grew up in public school, went to a secular college, and then all of a sudden I went to uh, Asbury Seminary, which was the first Christian school I'd ever been to. 
And we had this thing called an ethos statement, a, a, a covenant between us and the school of how we were going to live. And that ethos statement, uh, and part of it, said that we would not use drugs, we would not drink alcohol, we would not smoke tobacco because of this verse, because it is the temple of God. We must care for God's creation. And, uh, and pastors, I want to tell you, pastors are some of the most unhealthy people on the planet. This is my profession I'm talking about. And I'd walk into the cafeteria, and people that weren't drinking or smoking or using illegal drugs were piling up desserts on their trays, using food as a drug, not fuel. And I thought to myself, we're not supposed to use those substances because they harm God's temple. But so many of you are using food the same way, as a way to feel better or a way to enjoy, or a way to escape. Remember the purpose of food, it's fuel. Viewing food as escape or comfort, using it as a drug. And when you view food as fuel for your daily needs, then you stop using it as a drug, and you rein in your soul's desire for excess. Many of us in here need to change our relationship with food, myself included, myself included. I fail far, I fall far short in this area. So here are two quick, easy, practical things that I want to suggest that you need to change your relationship with food so you, don't, so you don't consume the excess. Number one, don't drink calories. Don't drink them. All right, the easiest way to avoid excess calories is not to drink them. All right, water, black coffee, unsweet tea, that's all I drink. That's it, no sugar. Don't drink calories. Um, that was only the easiest way to cut calories. It's also the easiest way to trim your budget. The average American family spends $3,000 a year on soda alone. $3,000. And you wonder why they can give free refills in, in, in restaurants. You wonder why they can give free refills? Because you would have to drink uh, 20 and 40 Cokes like, or, or sodas in order to even break even. See, the biggest profit margin in restaurants is on the drinks. The average... So glass of soda that you order at a restaurant costs the restaurant between five and ten cents. They charge you two dollars. All right, the highest margin of profit. So you, like I said, you'd have to drink between twenty and forty of them to even break even. All right. So the first thing, don't drink your calories. Second, don't eat the free stuff. The free stuff. The reason I include this, the free stuff is the best stuff. The chips, the breadsticks, the rolls. That's the stuff because it's free. What, are, what does our biology say? Our biology says, get it, because it may not be there tomorrow. Well, of course it'll be there tomorrow. Chick-fil-A will be there tomorrow. McDonald's will be there tomorrow. There's always be there tomorrow. Mexico, your favorite Mexican restaurant, they'll be there tomorrow. They'll be there tomorrow. But don't eat the free stuff. It's terrible for you, and it, it, it is free, and doesn't cost you, so you can eat more and more and more than you need. Those are the two quickest ways to change your relationship with food. And I know that's the best tasting stuff. Okay, just this week, I, I know some people out there are like, Dave, how in the world are you talking about this? Because just this week, I was reminded by a friend that one time I ate 26 breadsticks in one sitting at Fazoli's. <laughs> that was a long time ago when I was a lot younger. So who am I to talk about this? I get it, you guys. It's tough. But it's killing us. Is killing us. And more than that, it's competing for our, our satisfaction in God. Food is fuel, it's not a drug. Don't use it like one. The third thing is this, and this is my favorite thing. Is if you want to kill gluttony, you want to kill your soul's desire for excess, develop generosity. 
generosity. You cannot be consumed with your own soul's excess while you are giving and giving away. Proverbs eleven twenty five says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Generosity is the cure for gluttony. It really is. It is the cure for it. Um, you cannot indulge. Like I say, you can't indulge your soul's desire while li- for living in excess while you're, while you're giving away. I love to give. And people, if you truly want joy and you want satisfaction in life, generosity is the way to do it. I say, Americans, we have to understand that our biology desires excess. And it's killing us. Let's embrace Simplicity. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. Let's stop this gluttonous, psychotic desire for more than we need. Okay? Let's, let's basically look at life and say, do I need it? Do I need it? If I don't need it, let's get rid of it. Let's give it away. Let's not buy it. Let's not consume it. Let's leave some for everyone else. It, we, it, we live in an abundant society, not a scarcity, not a scarcity society. So guys, let's travel light through this world. Let's travel light, not encumbered by all the excess that we have buried ourselves under. Let's do that. Let's embrace simplicity. The way that I know that if I'm living in simplicity or if I'm living in gluttony, this is my test. This is how I know. This is my own personal test. I'm going to share this with you. Are my resources available to others? If my resources are not available to others, I am probably consuming more than I need. If someone needs something, are my, my dollars, is my home, is my whatever, is it available to others? Can I give it away as, as easily as I, can, as I can consume it? That's how I know I'm living in simplicity. That's how I know I'm living in generosity. If my resources are not available, then I'm probably living in gluttony, I'm living in excess. So before we close out, here's the question. Are you ready to embrace simplicity? Are you ready to just look at this culture and say, I don't want it? This excessive culture that we live our, find ourselves living in. Are you ready to embrace simplicity? Are you ready to have your soul satisfaction only in God and not in the things we buy, the things we eat, the things we consume? That is why the early church fathers identified gluttony as one of the seven deadly sins. Because they knew that gluttony would compete with our hearts for satisfaction in God. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for myself that I can also rid myself of this psychotic desire for more than I need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this amazing church. I want to thank you for the way that you have blessed us. You have sustained us. You have kept us healthy. You have prospered us. You have been so, so, so good to us. And Lord, you have blessed us with more than we need. In six months, we have Christmas. And and the biggest problem here in this this church isn't, where am I going to get money for Christmas presents? It's going to be, what do I get for people that have everything? And Lord... You've blessed us so much that we don't know what to do with it. And right now, there are people, myself included, that have things in their wrong place in front of you. Want, and we love, and we fear, and we desire everything but you. So, Father, bring us back. Remove the things that, tr- that compete with our hearts, for you, compete with you in our hearts. Remove those things, Lord. 
Give us neither poverty nor riches so that we can continue to find our soul satisfaction in you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for a year of meeting together with, with no outbreaks, with blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Thank you for this amazing church. Love you, God. Hear our praises now as we sing to you in Jesus' name. Amen.